wrestle with our anger and how that the interplay with other people and those discussions, but uh, that that hits very close to home uh, for for me, uh, and and that's all I'll say about that. Um, anger is one of those things. Uh, just to be honest, like this this is not one of those sermons where the topic it, it, I'm. I'm looking forward to preaching about this, but I'm also, I, I know how I deal with anger. And, um, you know, as we talk about these four uh, emotions, these enemies of the heart that when left unchecked, they kind of control our lives and stuff like that. This is, this is the one that I probably struggle with the most. And so as much as I know that every sermon I'm going to be challenged and encouraged, just like all of us are, are going to be, like this is one of those things that um, I know that I deal with. And so I know some of you do as well. And one of, the, one of my favorite ways to kind of illustrate this and, and how I have learned to try to deal with this as best I can is when I was 12 years old, I was playing, I started playing on my parents' adult co-ed volleyball league. And uh, there was this time where a ball came over, and I know some of you like don't care about volleyball, but, but I think you'll be able to appreciate this. The ball came over the net and it hit next to a lady on our team. And, and when I say hit next to, like it was right there and she made no effort to try to make a play on the ball, all right? So she didn't try to hit it or anything like that. And I said, remember I'm 12 years old on, on a team of adults. And I said, you gotta go for the ball. All right, all right. so as you can imagine, if, if you had like a 12 year old snot-nosed punk say that to you, how that would make you feel as an adult. Um, that, like that's kind of the situation that happened there. And so I'm pretty sure she didn't appreciate that. And my parents pulled me aside afterwards and like, hey, you can't react that way. And I've always been really competitive. I wanna win and so, like, at least try, you know, do your best and that kind of thing but you can't react that way. You've got to find a different way to do it. And so like, let's acknowledge the, the fact that, I mean, I was right. And so, so like, like that is a thing, you got to go for the ball and she, what she did was wrong. But uh, when we are directed by our anger, you know, and how we react to things and the way that we approach things, it becomes a problem in, in our lives. Um, uh, now for me, and I don't know how, how many of you like care about the, the whole like personality stuff like Myers-Briggs or disk analysis or Enneagram, if you know what number you are, that kind of thing. One of the things I want to acknowledge with, with a topic like anger is I know for some of us and our, uh, the sense of justice that we, we have and we're created with and wired with, it, it's going to make it more difficult for some of us than others and how we deal with some of these things and anger is, is no different with that. So my wife sent me this picture a couple weeks ago. And, and I, I mean, we talked about this. She knows that I was going to do this. And this is the map of a number one heart for the Enneagram. And you can take a little quiz on this later if, if, if you want to. Um, and, and so, like, one of the things that, that doesn't help me when it comes to anger and, like, how I handle injustice in the world is part of how I'm wired. So up here on the top right quadrant, and I know you can't... Uh, well, it's not a quadrant because there's three, whatever you'd call that. Uh, there's the country of accuracy. You like... How I did that? No? Okay, only one. Uh, that's fine. But the country of actors, so I'm really concerned with that. There's Integrity Road that's running through the middle of that, that's right here next to the land of Reformation. Um, like, hey, we need to do better. We need to do the right thing. These are things that should be a part of our lives. Um, there's the morality sorting machine, and so there are good things and there are bad things. And so I like, I split things into black and white, and the older I've gotten, the more gray that I recognize. But that's a thing for me. And, um, and, and down here, you can't see this, but that's Relaxation Island, and the boat to Relaxation Island is out of service. 
And so when I talk about this, like when I talk about anger, I, I recognize this is one of the more obvious emotions. Like when we have a problem with this and it, and it showed outwardly, uh, we can point this out in each other and we can say, it's like, oh yeah, man, that's, that person's having that problem. And because it's easily identify, identifiable, it seems like it should be easily addressed, but it's just simply not the case. Sometimes we're right about what we're angry about. There are absolutes and what's right and what's wrong. And quite frankly, there are things in life that happen that should make us angry as well. Uh, the horrors and atrocities of war, that, that should make us anger, angry. Like that we should have a, an emotional reaction to that. It shouldn't be like, oh no, that's just, that's what happens. You know, here's another one. No, it, it, should, it should bother us. There should be something that we're upset with when it comes to that. Uh, the horrors and, uh, of abuse should make us angry in all forms, in all shapes and sizes, and how that happens. Uh, when our faith is used in wrong ways to hurt and harm other people, like that should make us angry. We should, have, we should be upset about those kinds of things. Uh, there is an important distinction to be made, however, which is this. Anger is an emotion to be managed not a reason for making decisions. And that's really where we get into trouble, is when we act out of our anger rather than managing why we have that emotion and what we should do as a result of that. Uh, there is injustice. There are things that will happen to us that are wrong. Uh, they'll happen to those we care about. There are gonna be unfair situations and events. Uh, but becoming an angry person and allowing our anger to dictate what we do and say and think is something that's worth guarding against. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And, and it's not that like somehow we've got to control ourselves so well that we never feel the emotion of anger. But it's, and this word that Paul is, is using, it's, it has the connotation of being provoked to anger, that, that this is something that we need to be aware of, that the, the devil is using this as a foothold to try to, to get us to believe in a lie or accuse us of something or get our energy to be focused in the wrong direction when it comes to our anger. Uh, there are things that get all of us angry, uh, but it matters in what ac actions that that anger leads us to. Some things are worth getting angry about. Some things are not worth ang getting angry about. Uh, there was a, uh, there's a video game called Fortnite. Have you guys heard of this? Like some of your kids might play it. It's really popular with the kids right now. And a couple weeks ago or something like that, there's this viral video that went around because Fortnite was doing an update. It's all online. And during the update, you couldn't play the game at all. So there's just this blue circle. You know, think of like buffering when you're waiting for your video to play on the internet. And so there's this viral video that went around because this kid, when he turned Fortnite on and he wanted to play and he saw that blue circle and that he couldn't play and he was having to wait and stuff like that, he started hitting and throwing things at the TV because he got so upset that this was happening. And most of us would recognize like, that's, that's not really an acceptable reaction to have when it comes to something as silly and inconsequential as a video game. And yet, like how we learn and, and convince ourselves about what we deserve and what we're entitled to and how we think about how we're affected by things that are injustices in life, like all these things come together to make this, I don't know, just this really difficult thing for us to navigate and how we ha handle our anger. What's, what's an issue of right or wrong or what's an issue of us just not getting what we want? Um, when improperly applied, and how we handle our, our anger, um, when we miss the mark and when we sin in our anger, the consequences can be devastating. And it's how Satan gets a foothold 
uh, both accusing and lying so that our, our anger, that emotion, would control us. And part of the lie that slips in to take hold is that our anger brings about, um, is, is that we, we buy into the lie that our anger would bring about the satisfaction that we desire or deserve, and that the other party deserves what's coming to them because of how we've been wronged. And so similar to what we talked about last week, with all four of these emotions, this is going to be true. There's this debt-to-debtor relationship that's, that's established when it comes to our anger and how we feel about that debt that uh, someone else owes us. Guilt, for example, says, and we talked about this last week, I owe you, and we have to deal with that, and we talked about how to do that last week. Anger, on the other hand, when we let it control us, says, you owe me. Anger is the result of not getting what we want, which sometimes includes not getting what we deserve. And when I say this, you know, it's it's about not getting what you want. Like, I'm not not just tossing this aside and making it petty or sound like everybody's throwing temper temper tantrums, although sometimes that is the case. Um, A lot of times our anger is justified. There are real-life examples of things that we should be angry or could be upset about. When someone works their tail off at work and the promotion goes to someone else who's less deserving, Totally understandable that we would get angry about that, that we'd be upset about that. When somebody leaves our family, when a spouse leaves or a parent leaves, they abandon our family, like that's, that's something worth getting angry about. They take something away from us, our happiness, our security, our family, and that ideal, you owe me something as a result of that. When we've been disrespected, uh, when we've been abused, when we've been hurt, all of those things, like there are justifiable situations for, for us to be angry, but we also have to recognize that in the midst of our anger, uh, we're also acting out as a hurt person. If, if we're letting anger dictate and control what we do, um, we're hurt because something has been taken away from us. Our reputation maybe was taken away from someone. Someone took our family, or someone took our raise, or someone took the best years of our life, or someone owes you affection that, that withheld it from you. And when someone owes us something, in the midst of that anger and that hurt and that pain, um, it's something uh, that we want to be paid back. The problem is, is that most times that debt can never be repaid because the past can't be changed. But when we only allow our actions to be dictated by our anger, when we're angry people, um, when we just are left waiting to be paid back or trying to force payment from someone that can't repay us, It leads to a tragic existence in our life. Um, You know, if we were if we were to have this moment where we had everybody kind of come up and just share a moment in their life where they were angered because of a wrong that had been done for them, uh, to them, and and we just had that moment, like we would get to a point where, man, all of us would be riled up. We'd be ready to get the pitchforks out and the torches out. We'd be ready to have each other's back and go and seek justice. For, for that person. I mean, because like I said, I mean, there are moments in which our anger is, is justified, where something uh, happens that we should be upset about. But the difference is this, is that seeking justice in those, in those areas in our life, uh, when it comes to how God calls us to seek justice, is very different from an eye from an eye um, revenge quest or harboring anger and allowing it to eat us from the inside out. There are going to be times when we seek justice as a righteous response to sin But what we're driven by to seek out that justice matters. When we're driven by our own anger, we're placing ourselves as the debt collector, and we don't have the power to collect on those debts. There is one, however, that does, and God promises to do that for us on our behalf. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And Paul takes this from the Old Testament. And so this is something that's been consistent about God throughout the whole entirety of Scripture. And, and this is a verse that you may want to highlight or put on a note card and save it for like your mirror or uh, your dash in your car. Um, this, this is a great verse. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 35. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And this is God speaking. In due time, their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. Now, can we, just, can we just sit here and enjoy that visual, you know? Because, like, don't you have somebody in mind right now, like me? Their doom will rush upon them. Like, isn't, isn't, doesn't that feel good? Like, can I? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Never mind. Just, just forget. I'm joking. I'm totally joking about that. It's not true at all. Maybe just a little bit. All right. We, like, we've all come across people where we know, like, they deserve their doom to be rushed upon them. Maybe even sometimes we've been the, those people. But in most cases... It cannot, that debt cannot be repaid. And for our sake and the sake of those around us, it is a grace from God that we are able to dislodge this emotion and not be controlled by our anger because it will not achieve what we desire and hope for and what we're owed. And so the remedy is this. And not that this is easy and we're gonna talk about what this looks like, but the remedy for, for you owing me is, is forgiveness. And for some of us, like hearing, hearing that word in terms of like all the things that we think about that make us angry and the wrongs that have been done to, to us, like hearing the word forgiveness, like that's, that's the F word, like you just cussed in church. Uh, in this context, like that's, that's what you just did right then and you have no clue. No, I'm, I'm fully aware. Uh, remember, I told you how I, how I have to deal with, with anger and how I struggle with that. And forgiveness is... Um, Saying that is, is easier, it's easier to say than do, absolutely, but it's not impossible. And we're going to talk about what that looks like practically, but before that, I, I do want to deal with some common mis, misconceptions about forgiveness and what it looks like, because some of us have, uh, um, maybe we haven't grown up in church, but we've been exposed to Christianity, and there's some things that we've either assumed or we've been taught that forgiveness includes when it comes to our personal relationships with other people, that, that I just want to... Um, Let's just take care of some of those misconceptions. Um, so here, here, here they are. The first one is this, is that forgiveness means that we have to forget. Um, let's just say right now, like, none of us are God. None of us have the ability to forgive and forget like he does uh, through Jesus Christ uh, by uh, get, getting rid of our sin and, and the penalty that we deserve for that. Um, and so there's not this expectation through Scripture that in order to forgive, you, you're going to have to forget. And so, uh, so many times we get stuck in that. It's like, well, I can't forget about this. It keeps propping up in my memory. And so I haven't forgiven the way that God wants me to. And so oh, I got, and, and we have this, um, this feeling that we're not able to achieve this thing that God wants us to. And yet that's not a caveat that he places on that for us. Um, sometimes we are going to be reminded of those things. And we'll address that here a couple um, and a couple of misconceptions down from here. Uh, the second one is this, that forgiveness is a feeling, that somehow we've got to force ourselves to be like, oh, it's cool, man, like, no worries, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it now kind of thing. Um, it, this, is not, 
This is, uh, forgiveness is not that. It's not based on a feeling. Uh, it's based on a work that we have to do when it comes to living out our relationship with God. It's something that we need the, Holy Sp- uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in order to help us to accomplish. Um, the third thing is that um, forgiving someone means that what happened or what they did is okay. Um, and that's, that's not, it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, forgiving someone is not about uh, them like what they did doesn't matter, that it's not a big deal, and somehow we've got to convince ourselves of that. That's not what it's doing, and that's not what it means. Forgiveness does not mean that we won't ever feel hurt about the event again. It takes work. It takes effort. And sometimes we're going to be reminded of that hurt, of that pain, because it did happen. It's not about forgetting it and burying it and ignoring it. Um, Sometimes it will be an ongoing work that we have to do um, as part of our lives. Uh, forgiveness does not mean that justice should not be done. It's not about letting the person off the hook and being like, oh, well, in order to forgive you, uh, like, I won't tell anybody what happened. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to ignore the fact that you did these wrong things to me. It doesn't mean that justice shouldn't be served or shouldn't be pursued in that scenario or that situation. Um, forgiving doesn't mean that we have to wait for an apology. And this is a tough one because I, I feel like as someone who has a strong sense of justice, that absolutely you should come apologize to me. <laughs> you, you know, like, anybody with me? Am I alone in that? It's like, yeah, you, in order for you to experience forgiveness from me, you, you owe me something, and so you better come with that apology if you want to be forgiven. And yet, this is not about the other person. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about what God is doing in our hearts, so we're not trapped by this emotion of anger. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Uh, forgiveness does not mean that we have to keep the relationship. Sometimes people lose our trust, and sometimes they do it in such a way that it's not something that we're going to give back to them. And, and some of you, you just need to know that, you just need to hear that, that, that it's not about, um, I, I, actually, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. It doesn't mean that we have to keep the relationship. Sometimes people do need to do things to earn trust back. Um, and sometimes the things that they do are, are enough for that relationship to break and, and need to, to move on. Um, two, two more things. Forgiveness does not mean that we cannot develop healthy boundaries. In fact, forgiveness is a part of developing healthy boundaries. And so those, those things are, should be a part of our life. It's not about rolling over and letting people do whatever they want to us. Um, but, uh, but it's about, again, what da- God does in, in our hearts. Um, and the last thing is this, and maybe this is the most important one, because um, I know some of you need, need to hear this, and you need to know this, that this is the truth. Um, for, forgiveness is not a part of forgiving other people and understanding how God uh, thinks about forgiveness and calls us into that uh, with other people is, is not suggesting that God wanted that thing to happen to us. Like, that's not a reason for forgiveness. And some of us have heard that. Some of us have been taught, taught that. It's like, well, it was God's will. He wanted this thing to happen to you. And so you need to forgive that person because they were just a part of what God wanted. To, like, this was this intentional thing because he wanted to teach you this lesson in your life. All right. This is a very subtle thing. I, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's nuanced uh, because this, this gets messed up a lot in Christianity. Um, but that's not, that's not the thing. Like, that's, that's not the direction God takes this. He does work things out to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so he can take that thing 
in the way that he allows forgiveness uh, to work on our hearts and to change our minds um, and how, how we feel about the things that happen to us, and he can work those things out to the good for us. But that's a very important distinction from saying, well, God went out of his way to make this horrible thing happen to me, to make me angry, this injustice to happen in my life, just so I would learn this lesson, all right? So, so understand some of those, those misconceptions that, that are out there, and that's an important distinction between God can turn that around in our life because he absolutely does all the time. We see examples of that throughout Scripture. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul makes this very unreasonable demand, or at least it seems unreasonable. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Seems easy enough, right? Get rid of every single category when it comes to our rage and our anger, our bitterness, uh, fighting every form of malice that we're supposed to separate ourselves from that. We're supposed to put it off, uh, put it away. Um, so if you want to think about a visual for this and what Paul is trying to get us to think about and, and see this, like if you're walking down through a trail in the middle of the spring or the summer and you walk through a cobweb like it's in your face and it's all over you, that kind of thing, um, and you're trying to do whatever you can to get that off and you're freaking out and stuff like that to get rid of it and get it off of you, like that's, that's what he's talking about that there's effort that we need to make to get rid of these things in our life. Um, and, and he doesn't leave much wiggle room here because he uses a three-letter word there. He uses all. And so he says, get rid of all of it, the bitterness, rage, and anger, fighting, the slander, um, and every form of malice. And at this point, you read this, and you might think, you know, Paul has nothing, he has no clue what's going on in my life, and so he can't possibly mean some of the things that have happened to me and that I'm angry about in my life. Like, that can't be a part of the category that he's talking about. But maybe it's important for us to know that the context in which Paul is writing this is he's not like sipping on a mojito in his hammock at home when he's saying this. He's in prison writing these words. He's in prison, like falsely accused and unjustly imprisoned because he's been following Jesus in his life. And he says, get rid of all of these emotions that seek to control you in your life. And here's the problem that we come up under when we don't get rid of those things in our life. The hurt, the rejection, the criticism, the stuff not going our way. Um, it, it all leaves us feeling as victims. And I'm not, I'm not here to say that like, you have not been victimized, and that's not the point of, of, of saying this. But there's a particular mentality that we embrace when we allow only that to be the whole of our identity when we react to the things that make us angry. When we lash out, when we rage, when we have short fuses, when we harbor bitterness, um, we are the victims in this scenario, but that doesn't mean that we embrace victimhood as the whole of our identity when injustice has been done against us. You are so much more than that, and God is so much bigger than that thing that has happened that's made you angry in your life, and he wants you to know that freedom from the events that anger us is possible through the work and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, the problem with only identifying with our anger and how it's hurt us in this life is that we relinquish control over our lives to that anger. That's the danger of allowing this emotion to control us. Um, we start to excuse our behavior. Well, this thing happened to me, and so therefore I'm this way. Uh, we start to believe lies that maybe other people have said about us. 
or, or things that the enemy, the devil, wants us to believe that he tries to get a foothold in. Um, we begin to accept our anger, our bitterness as part of who we are. And, and we lose even the sense of needing to change and needing for that to heal and be different in our, in our world. And the secret to dealing with this, the remedy, is, is the F word, is, is forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, and forgiving each other. Forgiveness is the means by which we release control of anger over our heart. But here's the thing, and note, note the comma, because that's going to be really important. Because if it just stopped there, and, and that, that was it, that was the thing, um, I, I'm, I'm in a place where I'd be like, I, I don't know that that's enough. <laughs> like, I get that's, that's what you're telling me to do, but I, I don't know that I buy into it. Um, I'd, I'd be stuck there if it wasn't for the comma. And the comma, uh, after the comma comes this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In Enemies of the Heart, the book, Andy Stanley writes, just as is the key to allowing God to rid our hearts of the bitterness and resentment that have the potential to reach their destructive tentacles into every important relationship we have. Just as redefines and upgrades the meaning of forgiveness. Because this kind of forgiveness does not make sense unless we've experienced this kind of forgiveness in our lives. We don't forgive because people deserve it, we forgive because we are forgiven, and this forgiveness changes our hearts. That's the motivator. That's the path to healing. Otherwise, like, let's hold on to and, and just be directed by our anger. See, our, our anger, it, it causes us to lose perspective. It causes us to lose perspective on who God is and who we are as a result that God is, is powerful, he's all-powerful, that he's holy and just, that he's transcendent, he's the greatest good, that he's the creator, and that he saves us from us falling short, from being able to be in relationship with him. He saves us for our sin, that, that he would be right to be angry against us and to keep us separated from him, but he doesn't do that. He does something completely different through Jesus, who offers himself as a sacrifice for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I read these out of order on purpose. Go back to verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, reconcile to God. This is how we can live out forgiveness in our life, because of what God has done for us, and therefore we get to be ambassadors of that forgiveness in our relationships with other people. That's the good news, is that Jesus is the gift that takes away wrath. The problem is, is when we hold on to our anger, we don't have enough room in our hands to hold on to the gift. God has forgiven us a greater debt than any debt someone has incurred against us. And there's so much about this in Scripture. Uh, Jesus' disciples are shocked and dismayed at how often Jesus tells them to forgive other people when they ask him. Um, this pattern is throughout uh, Scripture, but forgiveness isn't meant to be uh, about freeing the other person nearly as much as it is about freeing us. So I just want to give some practical steps for how we put this to, into practice in our life. Here's the first one. And this may seem silly, um, but uh, sometimes the past gets muddied and uh, what actually happened and some of the things that we try to bury in our life that continue to affect us, we don't make the connections like, like we should. And so the first thing is simply identifying uh, who or what you're angry with or about. 
Um, identify what, what that is. Make a list. Take it back as far as you want. The things that you know your heart needs to be purged of uh, when it comes to your anger and the injustices that have been done to you that you're holding on to, uh, some of that bitterness and rage. Like Make a list of what that is. Identify that in your life. And the second thing is this. Um, don't skip past this and be like, oh, okay, so those are all the things I just need to give general forgiveness to and, and just be done with. Um, actually determine what you're owed in those situations. Again, this is about connecting, like, this is why I feel this way about who I am, or this is why I believe this lie about myself. Um, it's because this thing was taken away from me, and I'm owed this thing back, and, and I haven't even made the connection that it's, it's to this thing that this person or this situation has done to me. Uh, wh- whatever that might be. Um, you know what the person did, but maybe you never translate that into what they took from you or what you feel like they or that situation owes you. General forgiveness does not heal specific hurts. And so write that out, be specific. Um, and third, and this is the, right, this is the easier said than done part. Um, it's, it's deciding that we cancel the debt that this offending party or situation doesn't owe us anymore, just as Jesus canceled our debt at the cross. Um, recognize that this person or this situation, this thing, it can't be changed, it's in the past, um, and that they wouldn't even have the ability to repay this debt in a way that would provide satisfying justice. It doesn't mean that you've got to track this person down or you've got to go to someone. I mean, it would feel good, right, to walk up to someone and say, by the way, I forgive you uh, for being a horrible person and hurting me. It, right, I mean, there'd be a little bit of a little, you know, jab at them with, with that, and so it might feel good initially. Um, but what we might do is we might verbalize it to an empty chair. We sit down and we say it out loud. Um, maybe we'll write it down into a note, something that that actually makes a tangible uh, response to that thing in our life. Write it down in a note and then burn it to be done with it. Um, throw away something you have from the past that you're holding on to that's only fueling your anger and your unforgiveness. Um, maybe writing a prayer out with the offense stating that the debt has been canceled. And then finally this. Every time that thing pops up in your head, because again, like we're, we're not going to be able to forget everything. And Satan wants to use that to hold us back and to gain a foothold and to use that anger against us. Um, we need to dismiss the anger. We need to make a daily decision, sometimes it's daily, to not re-engage that anger, to recognize and be reminded that the debt has been canceled, that when the old feelings come up and we either get flared up again or we try to ignore it, like those are typically what, what we do to try to push it away. Like what if we faced it and called it out for what it is? Not today, Satan, or this person, this place, this thing, they don't owe me anymore because this debt has been canceled. Don't give the enemy a foothold, and then turn to the forgiveness that God has shown you through Jesus. Remember, this does not remove justice from the equation. It doesn't mean people should not face the consequences for their actions or that sin should remain hidden in secret. Accountability, justice through the legal system, seeking to protect others from evil, all of these things are valid in response to injustice and ways in which God takes care of justice. But unresolved bitterness and rage in an angry life leaves a wake of casualties, none more regrettable than the person who's harboring um, that anger in their heart and remains imprisoned by their own anger. The grace of forgiveness is that we remove the power over us of what we can't control 
to place our trust in the one who does have control. Anger in our hearts, it, it, may, be, it may be the most destructive emotion that we face uh, and destructive enemy of the heart. And many of us bear the scars of our own anger or the anger of someone else in our life. The grace of God, though, gives us an opportunity to put that, those scars and that anger aside and exchange them for being reminded of Jesus' scars for us. Earlier I said that Jesus is the gift that takes away wrath. There's this old word that we don't use anymore. Um, Jesus describes the propitiation for our sins, and that simply means that he's the gift that takes away wrath that God would be fully justified in being angry uh, with us and holding us to that anger, and yet he sends Jesus to live, to die on the cross, to be resurrected again, to be a living sacrifice for, for all of us to take that away. Um, and, and he wants us to know as part of that that we don't have to be shackled by, not only by our sin, but we also don't have to be shackled by the sin that other people have done against us. And so right now, as we prepare to take communion with each other like we do every week at Velocities, we celebrate that. Let, let's, let's be reminded of that. Rather than the wrongs that have been done against us, let's be encouraged to be reminded of the right that has been done uh, for us by Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. Let's pray as we prepare for that time together this morning. God, um, Sometimes we don't even remember why we're angry. Uh, we just know there's been enough done uh, to us and against us in this life um, that that's the reaction sometimes that we have. And sometimes it's not justified, but sometimes it is. And God, in those moments, we ask that you remind us through your Holy Spirit how you fight for us, how you um, stand in that place uh, to make things right for us, God, help us to be reminded of that so uh, we're not being reminded of what, um, what the devil wants us to be reminded of uh, and to be held back by. God, give us the strength that we need, the wisdom that we need to know uh, how to, to, to forgive uh, for what's been done for us, to, that experiencing that freedom that it brings us, that grace and mercy that you allow us through being able to forgive others um, is... Uh, is right there with what you've done for us through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.